just start recording. There we go. I might as well. Straight into it. Capture it all. Lovely to see your face. It's so exciting. How good's modern technology oh, in a world we can talk and, and see each other. Oh, it's so cool. Hit that. Yeah, how you been? Yeah, it's been pretty good. Just uh we're uh remodeling the bathroom, which is just so exciting. <laughs> That's the chat, I guess, the remodeling. Yeah. You know, it's a it's a cliche, but women love talking about remodeling. <laughs> it's us. I get overwhelmed by their enthusiasm. Do you um, get into it as much, though? Like, I, I find I get into it a little bit. I've been drawn into that world a bit. Well, um, see, we, Wigo's already told me, like, I, I saw, I actually caught up with him yesterday. We had breakfast before we headed back to Canberra. And he said, oh, send me photos of the before and afters. And I was like, really? And he's like, yes, I am. I'm now a person who is interested in before and after photos. And he said, totally you probably good. will be too. And I was like, oh, okay. What I did enjoy was watching the dude just break the room apart. That was pretty fun. Oh, yeah. Getting in and oh, smashing it. That looks it. fun. But this is this is it. I mean, it's been we're trying to work it out, wasn't it? What is it like 10, 11 years? I think since we've even had like a proper chat. I don't since know. We've I, even I, caught I, up. I've got no idea of when I last even saw you. And I was no, asked Jazz, I think she's pretty terrible with that kind of stuff as well. But I couldn't even I can't even place it. Yeah, I definitely I visited you in Canberra. Yeah. When you not long just there, like when you first when you guys got there, yeah, but that was a that was a long time ago. That was how long ago did you go to sixteen years? My God, yeah. isn't it ridiculous when you start dating those things? Like I was talking about something the other day, and it was twenty two years ago that I had done it. <laughs> yeah, and it was like okay, that was twenty two years ago. <laughs> you remember yeah. your parents saying that sort of thing? Yeah. Oh, I did that twenty two years ago, and you're like, well, what are you even talking about? How would you even know anything? <laughs> so far, you don't. Ago. Your memory doesn't go back that far. I see. I remember. I remember when Dad started playing cricket because he'd never played before. Me and me and my brother played, and he started playing, and I was like, "Man, you old old man!" And now he's starting to play. He was my age, but in, in my head, he was like sixty. Started, that's it. Ridiculously old and doing it. I was talking to him. Here's about the thing, it. though, Maddie. Like seeing you and being able to to do this this way. Yeah, you still look pretty much the same age. Like I feel old, grey, fat, and sad, <laughs> and you pretty much look about nineteen, maybe twenty. Well, that's an improvement from twelve, I guess. But thank you, thank you for saying such things. <laughs> that's your aging graph. You did look twelve when you're at that age, and you yeah. slowly matured to be a nineteen, twenty-year-old. I put a lot of stock in the fact that my older brother got all the grey hair in the family, and so he he oh, looked grey. Beard. It's, yeah, it's, mean, got gray, it's got grey in it. It's got a fair bit of grey in it. Join ISIS. It's black. You know, it's <laughs> it's looking thick. <laughs> uh, it's not. It's not too bad. It's it's it gets a, a fair trim. When I I grew it out when Violet was born, or when Jazz was pregnant with Violet, this what 13, fourteen years ago now. For some reason, wow. she she was like, "You should grow your beard out." And I grew it out, and it went all very um like folk singer, like. I, my moustache didn't come in, but the beard came in. It looked very strange. Yep. And uh, and then I grew it out quite a bit. And then I, rem- I remember, uh, and you, I mean, you're familiar with this and you have the same issue. You know, when you say things before your brain says, don't say that. But I remember. Forever. I, yeah. Constantly. Yes. I remember a, a student saying that, uh, saying to me like, sorry, hang on. Uh, oh, you know, like you should grow your beard. How how big could you grow your beard? And I said, oh, it's not really that effective when it grows out. It tends to get quite uh, puby. And she just looked horrified. And I was like, probably shouldn't have said that. I mean, it was accurate. No, but she went and filled in a form fairly quickly afterwards, <laughs> I would imagine. Once yeah, that that's always the joke of teaching is that you'll go into the office and the principal will send, slide a piece of paper across and say, did you say these exact words? <laughs> but oh, in context, it's fine. They're like, did you say these words? <laughs> I could only imagine the context side of things. <laughs> I often think, and again, working in loose environments at times where 
um, you know, your peers and yourself can be fairly loose and there's an understanding that they're not going to take offense or read too deeply into some comments, that as soon as you take that out of context or put that in front of people that could be greatly offended, yeah, it's a very dangerous thing. Well, we used to do it all the time to our teachers. When I, I used to be in class with Lauren Willis in, in physics class and I had no interest in physics. So that's what we started doing, taking the teacher's comments out of context and writing them down just for prosperity maybe to you know bribe them bribe them later (laughs) it's like you know the photos you know where the bodies are buried i have this and remember my marks i do yes here's my mark so it i I mean i'm a little foreign to the podcast thing which firstly let me congratulate you for a hundred that's sensational yeah the ton yeah it's It's a surprise yeah, sort of. Yeah, well done. It's it's fantastic. And, because um, I, I was very slow. It took me a long time to do sixty. Took I don't know seven years or something. And then I did forty last. And year. then you just finish off the last. Yeah, right. It's like sort of the tail ender. Once he gets his eye in, yeah, get accelerated. Fifty yeah. never made it to fifty. Then he walks away with two twenty. But I guess you know you're the warning. He never made it to the hundred. No, no. I, I like to think of myself trying. as like uh, Greg Ritchie, where I got to a hundred and then I had a big rest. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> but congratulations. It's Thank awesome. You. And what a cool, cool medium. It's so nice um, to, to sit back and enjoy it. And I'm going to tell you, I wrote to you um, uh, when I was listening to the Phil uh, yes. in the 90s. It was when you were in your shaky 90s. Yep. Um, coming in there. And it was, it was really good. I hadn't listened to the podcast for some time, like a couple of years, to be honest. And yep. that's the beautiful thing is you can then go back and listen to all of it. Um, and I just, I'd come back from Newcastle. So I'd been down in, in Newcastle for a week. And of course, you, you reminisce when you're down there. I yeah. hadn't been back for ages. And um, it was quite, it was a, quite a crap time, really. My dad had died. Um, oh. And I was flying down to see him. He was quite sick. Yeah. And he died while I was in the air. And I got down there. Then you've got to organize the funeral and do all of that stuff. Like, yeah. you've got to sort of straight into it and pull it all together. And so, and of course, it was the weekend that that huge outbreak of COVID happened in Newcastle in December. Right, so this is just before Christmas, wasn't it? Yeah, at at Fenny's nightclub. Yeah, They do have another name for it now, but I feel it shall always be called Fenny's in our minds. Fenny's, that's right. Um, And there was this huge outbreak. And so I had to come back. I had to fly back and try to organise the funeral when I was down there in COVID times. Then I had to fly back and isolate up until Christmas Day, the day after. Yeah. And it was it was horrible time. And so I was sitting downstairs in my little isolated room on my own. And I thought I really need someone to cheer me up. And having that nostalgia and being back, uh, (laughs) chattering classes, of course, was where I went to find that. And (laughs) I started listening and I didn't even know it was the Phil uh, that was on the podcast. Right. And to sit there and hear those stories that are, you know, make up your life and so important. And to hear someone, you know, the friends from there, you know, you love them more than you love yourself. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Intense, thing. It's so right? It's in, this intensity. Yeah. Um, before, it really I, I've got to, I got to cut in because we've been talking and we're going to continue talking. I'm talking to Matthew Limbury otherwise known as Matza, again, I always introduce people and then I never refer to them by their proper name ever again. Yeah, it's, it's, it's that thing, isn't it? Especially around that time of university where it's just you make friends quickly and intensely and you, it's like yeah. you just, like you make a, a pact, like, all right, we're friends, done. All right, that's not going to change. Good. And the experiences, and I think you, you touched on it previously, and that's what I love about the podcast, as I was saying, there's getting into the depths of those experiences that happen in that time because a you've got ridiculous amounts of time like you think yes. of the time that we got to spend together when you're sort of from 17 yeah um through to your 20s you, you just have this wealth of time um that you can invest and it's yeah. all hours of the day and all sorts of things doing amazing stuff well that, that's the and, thing i think that's the thing i miss more than anything else is the the randomness of your life of just I'm sitting at home in in the house that we had on Denison Street and then there's a knock or the footsteps appear and then people say come with us we're going to the bowling club and you say okay and you go down to the bowling club and then four other people turn up and then someone says so and so says no no come to this place and then you go to someone's house and it just snowballs you've never met yeah, and then three days later you get home and everything's fine and nobody says, where have you been? They just go, <laughs> just carry on. 
<laughs> and nor are you concerned. Like, you just no. go, okay, I'm going to, it's 2 a.m., but someone said I can go over to this bloke's house that I've never met. That's right. And there's going to be 14 people there. And we're going to sit there and have the most intense talk about Russian policy towards, yeah. you know, interspace race that I've ever had. Yeah. And I'm going to forever remember that night and, and that moment. Yeah. And then someone's <laughs> going to say, let's watch the last 20 minutes of The Karate Kid. And you're going to be like, yes. Let's do that as well. That's the greatest idea I've ever heard. That's right. <laughs> Put it together. And this is it. Like you use the word formative um, yeah. and it, it really does. Like those relationships are baked in stone. And I forever feel as much as people change and grow and do whatever, it's like, yeah, but I knew the real then. Yeah. Like I, I, I hung out with them when they were 19 or 20. And yeah, they've got married. They've had kids. I don't know their wife. They're doing whatever. And they've got this job and they've changed this and doing all that. Yeah. That's fine. But I know the real them. Yeah. Their kids, and, our kids don't know the real us like we know the real us, right? Well, they don't know. 100%. They see us enforcing rules and things like that. They don't see, hey, we found a bag of firecrackers. Let's see what we can do with this. Let's go nuts. Go and play Frisbee in the middle of the road at 2am, like all that stuff. Yeah, it's it's the warts and all. <laughs> yeah, and you see, you know, it's interesting, talking about Warnie dying or a couple of different things I've seen lately where it's been really famous people, but yeah. they're hanging out with people from when they were sort of 17 to 23. Yeah. They were hanging out with those mates and those mates are accountants or they're, you know, they're working at state rail or they're doing whatever, but their mate yes. that was with them, they made it. They became a successful cricketer, writer, actor, politician, etc. And you see them still hanging out with them because they see them yeah. not as the politician or the no. actor or any of that. They're the real person. Yeah. And they're they can... those people at 19 at the bowling club. <laughs> They can call them on their shit and everything's fine. There's no like professional yep. disagreements. They're just like, oh, we'll fine. We'll fine. We just swore yep. each other and then left. And one of us got the shits and left and came back the next day and everything was fine. It was all fine. Yeah, it was all good. It does and work that on. way. Right. Well, and I mean, the other. No, you sorry. go. You go. Well, I was going to say the other thing I found myself doing now is looking at people uh, when you come across them, and you must do this in class all the time at different things, is, is you see someone at an age like 19 or 20 or something and just go, my God, that guy is Matty Barry. Like, <laughs> look at him, the way he walks, the way that beard, he looks sort of 12 and he's hilarious and he's doing all this stuff. That's Matt Barry. <laughs> so you start attributing characters from yes. when you were 19 to these 100%. people who, and, and they're not the real version, of course, they're just cheap copies that have come after yeah yeah um you know they don't have they're not the originals but well i i had I, I ran i have random it's not a, it's not the same i mean we know people who are very original people but i've met quite a few people who were like dress just intense funny but like so what did you do how did you injure your leg oh i threw like a what? you know i threw a, a deodorant can in a fire and then it exploded out onto my leg and you're like ah oh. Yep. All right. Yep. You still still seem to be the same person, but most of them are uh, the drama. Because I, you know, when I teach drama, a lot of it is like, oh, yep, yep, yep. You're that person. You're that person. But there was also like I was. I taught this group of like four or five boys who ended up. They made their own short films, and they would just make these short films, and it was really just for them. And I was just so protective of them. Like, all right. <laughs> Don't listen, don't listen to what anyone says about how stupid or how bad or how like cheap they look or how like that person didn't say their line probably or you couldn't hear the sound. So don't listen. Just keep making them because who cares? Like if you just keep making them, they'll get better. And if you just keep making them, they'll be interesting. And they were like 30 minutes long and they would sh and I would sit and watch them and there'd be like one thing in it where I would really laugh at and I'd say, that bit was really good, uh, but like really, really good. That really, yeah. that was really, really good. Like the, it kept me laughing a lot this week. So, you know, you've got something there, but you, you just sort of know, like, oh, when we were, when I was that age, that's exactly what you need is just someone to say, oh, you just whatever. Who cares? Who cares about the quality? You're having a good yeah. time. I can tell you're Some, enjoying making it. Some sort of adult figure. Just yeah. to give that moment of inspiration and 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 keep doing it. Well, keep I, think at the, it. I think it doesn't even need to be inspiration. I think it just needs to be, yeah, just keep doing it. It can be shit. It can be, you know, pretty terrible. You're like in year nine. Cool. And 
how precious like i i mean i'm looking at it now it's in pride of place just sitting over here fat club is a, a movie that we made uh some time ago as a short film uh yeah. as part of a contest 24-hour film contest right right what was the what was the film i was trying to remember that what was the name of the contest uh shootout shootout right so you had shootout. a you had a you had 24 hours and you had to film in newcastle and you had to include certain like places, places themes, in Newcastle all that themes. sort of thing yeah right. which is really cool and what it does is give people like those guys yeah an excuse to do it because so often it's exactly as I say you're sitting around you want to make these films you want to do this fun stuff but you don't have the excuse or the reason to do it yeah and you feel a bit lame just hanging with your mates making a short film without a real outcome it might go up on YouTube or it might go wherever but you don't actually have a reason so shootout was that reason for us yeah. I think for a lot of years it was it was great fun so can you tell me uh, what what are you more proud of? Are you more proud of Fat Club? That's P-H-A-T, I believe. Or are you more Just proud clear, of yes. the Tears? If people want to Google it. What was, what was the other one? Tears Behind the Jelly? Is that Tears what? Behind the Jelly. Uh, yeah. Cheer Up Sleepy Sonambulist <laughs> was another. I don't another know if cult. I can... Re- I don't remember Cold if I, classic. I recall Cheer Up Sleepy Sonambulist. <laughs> There's one, and I can't remember the name of it. It was purely about Ray Deneen, who was a, a TV presenter right, yeah. um, in the Newcastle region um, back was in being the, the 80s and 90s. Uh, could you, well, by us with a camera, yes, yes um, to steal a piece of his underwear um, was the goal for 24 hours and make a film about it. So there was certainly varying levels of quality involved, but it was so much fun. But what a time capsule it is to have yeah. that stuff now albeit in antiquated formats that it's very hard to watch yes but to have that content now to be able to go back and and look at your mates and look at that time and look at what you did and it is special you know so those guys need to keep making those movies because even if they don't go anywhere in in 20 years time that's they can right. look back and and remember those moments that's right and, and that, that's that's kind of the point isn't it just just having anything as a record beyond like just having thousands of photos that you post or have on your phone that eventually you put on a hard drive and eventually Mm. you lose it's in a plastic bag or a thing and i was gonna say that like i mean you've done the canberra move and you've been pretty solid down there and i've I've slept around the country a little bit and I just have continued continuously cold and cold and yeah, cold right. and, and you end up with two small boxes really yeah. um, of memories and different things that you, you sort of take out of a lot of that stuff. Yeah, yeah. I've got photo albums. That's really the thing. That's that's taken up all the boxes in the in the roof. I like the yep. photo albums from that time. And I realized like I, I still I still have them and I don't need to have them, but there are a lot of photos that I need to destroy before ever my children say let's look in these photo albums because i don't know why do why do people take photos of themselves in states of inebriation or in i don't know in the midst of illegal activities i guess it doesn't make any sense you're right there's a lot of things that need censoring and um whilst it's about you i just last week i experienced it the opposite where my daughter wandered out with a photo of my wife um uh, semi-clad i mean clad enough uh but wrapped in the arms of another man when she was about 18 which you know good luck to her yeah um (laughs) but it did take you know it was like oh that was my boyfriend such and such and then of course they 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 knew they were they'd hit gold in this stockpile right, photo. Right, right. So they just went through and they took absolute joy, complete delight in finding every photo of their mother with a boy that wasn't me, of course, uh, and bringing it to me yeah. and pointing out this guy's name is Darren. This guy's name is Paul. <laughs> this guy's name is, okay, okay, that's good. Um, she's lived a life. We get yeah, that. That's right. <laughs> we, we all did. <laughs> did they say, where are all your photos, Dad, with all your ladies? That's well, right. Well. <laughs> the hundreds of yeah, strewn hundreds, across, yeah. you know, burnt <laughs> upon my memories. But I've done what you've done. I thought I was clever and digitized them so I wouldn't have to slip around. Although you've still got photo albums, but yeah. you just don't. Like I've got hard drives of wrapped in plastic in blocks and different things that, you know, I just never go out and go back through and, and have a look and reminisce and probably need to. The old slide night and the old. Yes, that's right. Of, click through them around and get the projector out so i probably need to do something like that but yes it is entertaining when it's from the other side and you're you're examining someone's life in the 90s through photos yeah there's some eventually i'm gonna have to show like the uh the dyed hair 
the, the amount of dyed hair that was going on in the late 90s <laughs> yep. where where anytime anyone bleached my hair it was home done and the hair went gold you know so yeah it's fine a beautiful hue <laughs> a beautiful hue of gold with like horrid roots that just yeah great because I didn't want to get a haircut so quickly after dyeing my hair didn't make any sense um, I wanted to go over a couple of things. You have two children, right? Am I right? I could be completely yeah, wrong. You're right. I do. I've got two daughters. Yes, me too. We are the two daughter clans. That's right. And and women will rule the world, as you probably um, have well worked out by now. Yes. Who run the world, girls? That's that's a, a song that got a lot of airplay back in the day. <laughs> See, I, yeah, I wish that could get airplay at the moment. We're in Disneyland in terms of music at the moment. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Like post, it's all the, the grown-up Disney kids. Like it's all, have you been into Descendants and yeah, yeah, yeah. all of that sort of stuff beyond? So it's a lot of that stuff. We sort of, the girls have kind of bypassed, Violet happily went from Disney to kind of cooler more obscure i mean she went straight from disney to stranger things which i was very happy about but then wow. it was like the shows that that's she was... brave what age was that seven well, <laughs> so here's stranger 12, things here's yeah, the... <laughs> maybe 12 or something like that but she's yeah she's uh always been like well, what's the dark let's watch some dark stuff and that's probably not dark wow. enough yeah so she's and she's watched a couple of like horror with jazz a couple of like uh, i think a quiet place and a quiet place too and things like that but there is a there is a limit for her. Like Jazz immediately was like, "We we should watch Scream," and I was like, "No, no, no, no. Let's not get there just so far." But it's hard though. You've got to you've got to know what's your what's your point. What's your what's your terrifying point as a kid? Yeah, uh, there's only one way to get there, and that's to get there, I guess. Well. I mean, there's so much I need to talk to you about, Matt, and hopefully we can <laughs> do it publicly. <laughs> Let everybody right, right, enjoy right, right. this journey, but. Um, there's a real cusp that I feel I'm on at the moment. So my daughter's uh, Beatrice is the youngest one and, and she's nine yeah. and the oldest is 10 turning 11 and that's Lola. Um, right. And certainly at the moment, she's the worry. <laughs> the youngest right, right, right. one seems set, you know, she's into ACDC and she loves playing guitar right. and she's her own woman. She dresses her own way. Doesn't like very dresses, familiar. Just yes. Wears her own thing and mm -hmm. is comfortable 100% with who she is, doesn't need to impress people, just mm. goes about a thing, loves playing soccer, which is great fun, um, loves watching soccer, which is even more great oh, fun. Yeah, good work. <laughs> I got no, so, I got nothing. I got, I have yeah, to go well, to we're live there sport. for that one. Yeah, live sport is the only way. Yeah, but girls. then the, the eldest one, it's completely what you're saying is we're right on this precipice. So it is breaking out of that land of disney and stuffed toys and mm. hanging out with your dad snuggled up and doing your cutesy girly things and mm. it is just on the verge she's in high school next year so year six this year right. and i've really noticed in the last six months the the change <laughs> you know of not being a little girl anymore yep, it happens pretty quickly uh, and Do it's all find... those things. At what stage can I let her watch horror movies? At what stage does she get a phone? At what stage can yeah. I be comfortable with her going to school on her own? At what stage can I let her hang out with her friends at a shopping centre right, without yes. worrying about it? Like it's mm. all just about to happen. It all happens pretty quickly. The, the phone thing, we, we we always told her the end of year six and then grandma gave her a phone a year oh. early. Yeah. like an old here's my old phone i got a new phone you can have my old phone she was just like awesome look dad grandma gave me a phone i got a phone now and i was like ah oh, i guess you, I guess could you, you got intervene a phone. at that stage no was there any no, moment no where you no said chance. that's great put it away in no. 12 months time no the way so you, you have to sort of run interference i think it's a test of like the, what kind of child they're going to be at school like Violet's very, uh, she's a rule follower, but she push, she pushes us as much as possible. So like TikTok was the main one from age 11. She was like, I want to get TikTok. And we're like, no. And so she was like, no, no, my friends have it. I was like, I don't care. I, I, I'm annoying and I'm a boring teacher. And I know the kids that hold off on social media do better with it. And so she would complain and I'd say, look, you can, I'm prepared for this. Okay, I'm prepared for a year of complaining because TikTok, you had to be 12. And then so she turned 12 on the day she turned 12. She went and signed up and it wouldn't let her. And I was like, oh, and TikTok had changed its, in Australia, had changed its age limit 
to 13 in the, like, the previous six months. So again, I just said, all right, no, nah, it's not happening. And she, last every year. few months, just cracked it about it, cracked it, it wasn't fair. But eventually she held off on it. But it's just that once they get a phone, it's just constant. I want to get this app. I want to get this app. And you just go, I'll just check about that online. And oh, no, don't check. Yeah, don't do right. a There's parent people check. People who and... chat to you and people have access. And people, yeah, because there's so, all sorts of things I, that have I know. happened. So many parents are just like, yeah, you can have it. Yep. Yeah, all right. Oh, what is it? Oh, yeah. You can do that. You can do that. And then they just, all these kids have it. And especially like at 10, 11, they misuse it. They don't understand it. The consequences that I get. They say horrible things about other people that like get in, like it's just that kind of constant stuff. So that was a so really what you're just saying. That's I'm, the I'm interested thing. in what you said before. I need that argument about yeah. um, you're saying kids who get to social media later yes. handle it better, which, yes. you know, obviously the argument from the child is, well, I'm missing out. Yes. Uh, they're all there as a group and mm-hmm. I want to be there as a group and I'm the one that's missing out and I'm going to be talking to a psychologist when I'm 30 about why I didn't, don't fit in because you've banned me from exactly having access right. to yes. this. Yeah, exactly. So there is research, there is proof that I don't kids know. who come later, I'll go with it. Tell me there is. No, I don't, you, don't need wave it as a... you don't need research. If you make her, make your kids not be part of the group what they will do is themselves justify why you're making the right decision that was the weird thing we found with violet she would be happy to tell us this kid got in trouble today at school or so and so showed me what so and so said about them on snapchat whatever and so they start to if you keep saying that to them they start to oh they got in trouble for that they got in trouble that was the weird thing violet did was come home with all these stories which proved our point That's what I mean. Like she's a rule follower. She pushed and pushed and pushed. But now that she's, you know, 13 and a half and her friends are pushing boundaries again, she's on our side. I don't know for how long. I don't, I can't, it can't last forever. (laughs) But she's, that's how she acts. He's like, well, you know, yes, that was the right decision. But it's, I don't know, you can't pick, it's just picking your battle. And I think just with, any kind of social media, you have to just delay it, run interference as long as you can, because it's that's a benefit. And there probably is research that I've overheard or someone boil it down, but just certainly at school, you just know a lot of the drama happens with kids who are on social media and they don't get it. They They do not get it and they don't get it for ages. And even when you say you cannot post, this is what happens. And then they're like, oh, but I didn't know. It was a private message. And I'm like, yeah, but they screenshotted it and sent it to everyone they still Mm. don't get it and then they get in right really but also i used to tell violet like the horror stories so and so these boys were going around asking girls to send them topless photos and you know most of them would say fuck off that's not happening none of them would tell parents or teachers that's what these boys are doing they would just go no 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 and then one or two people would one or two girls would and then the girls would obviously say that, oh, no, what have I done? And then they would say, don't, oh, can you delete it? And the boys would say shit like, I'll delete it if you send me another one. Oh, God. Yeah. And so you just if you tell your child this. Oh, my God. Then you know, <laughs> then that's, that's like year eight that happens. And so mm. they are, once Violet knew that, she knew, oh, this is like, you know, the manipulation behind it. So you can avoid it. The, the girls who were getting themselves in the trouble, some of them got caught out early. Some of them were yeah, caught early. Some of them were very innocent and their parents wouldn't have talked to them about anything like that. And but other girls weren't. So it's it's I don't know. I don't know how you avoid it. I don't know if you've got young boys, if you say the same thing. Like these the, and again, these boys got in trouble from the police. And then you have to talk to the boys while they're sitting in front of you, like crying because they think their future is over, mm. their life's over and they've got no future. And you have to say in your head, you're like, you, like you are gross and you are disgusting, but you have to like support them. That's your job. And they're like 14. Yeah. And you and, can't be well, like, this is it. They're still kids, aren't they? Yeah, the little you can't kids say, who, yes, as you, you say, are. have you are. no idea. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. You just have no idea. And that, mm. I, 
I mean, that's one of the biggest pressures we're feeling is that social media one. And it's interesting because we've come through through COVID era. Yeah, right. You know, the last three years, it's all been online. So yeah, right. when they've had to deal with their, their friends, it's been via, um, you know, the school users teams for everything. So yeah. they chat with their friends on teams. They sit in class and chat on teams and they've worked at home on teams and they're able to communicate teams back and forward. So, you know, that to them talking online and they've forever had to zoom and and do versions of different calls because COVID was on. That was the only way to catch up with their friends. And so, yeah, I think they're, they're surging forward for it quicker than a lot of previous um, kids necessarily did. And they've certainly got the technical knowledge because they've had to do so much of it day in, day out. Anyway, they, they want to set it all up. And so it is trying to control that. You can't have a phone to yourself yet. You can't keep that laptop in your room. You can't have that tablet. And, and it's starting to really mount up on top of that. Yeah. Um, And then it's the other freedom. So it's definitely the social side of things um, that we're struggling a little bit with too. Like, is it okay just to go and hang at a shopping center with their friends for a couple of hours? Mm. And I'm still like 11, no way. But God, when I was eight, yes. <laughs> like I think mm. of the freedoms I had, it's very hard. Um, different I th- era, different I don't, times. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I, I guess you just have to find the natural thing, right? You have to find, I, I, I had students last year in year 12, they got very, they were very interested in me as a parent and were asking questions about how I raised the kids. And they said all of the, all of their friends, the friends they had who had really strict parents, like really strict, the kids just became better liars. That was the way they framed it. It's like you, you can be <laughs> really strict. That's true but too. Yeah, that's what, that, that's what it makes them is they have to create that's... these lies even to like go to the shops and hang out. Then they've created a lie. So you just go, oh, yeah, that's fine. And then it's all it's all a lie but um it's growing it's it's hard and, and i don't know i think i think you gotta i don't know it is tricky because you don't want what it comes down to is you don't want bad stuff to happen um but i think you got to give yourself credit as a parent um if you've been a good parent i don't know that's <laughs> right let's not go overboard <laughs> yeah <laughs> But if you've been, I don't want too much of a mirror in this session. Just advice is fine. <laughs> that's things, right. I don't, don't need to. <laughs> but if you've been a, if you've been a good parent, then and you've talked. If, I, I always found. I mean, Violet. Maybe it's Violet more than us, but she was always very open and honest about how she felt all the time. Much to our sometimes exhaustion of like, oh, I get it. Yes, uh, yes, I can see you're angry. You're always angry and frustrated. But I don't know. She tells us not everything, but she tells us a lot of what's happening. And I, I mean, she's 13 now and I am kind of in this philosophical stage where I'm waiting for her to do something that, that makes us feel let down. You know, I'm waiting for her to make it. She hasn't done it yet, but I'm, I'm waiting for that moment because it's got to happen where she comes to us and she'll be in tears that she's done something and got in trouble or something's happened and she's made the wrong choice. But it hasn't happened yet, but I, I don't really have any like thoughts of oh no i can't let her see her friends or hang out um we say yes to her a lot especially socially is just can i have friends over yes can i go over to this person's house yes and then when she comes home she'll tell us if she went over to someone's house and it was weird or the parents were weird or there was no parents or their brother you know like she gets all the details and then she's kind of weird that way like i don't know if i want to go over there again Oh, good, 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 good. She's got the built-in sense. Yeah. She says it's like Justine. She says Justine's on her shoulder. That's what she says. That's seriously what my daughter Max, I'm sure right, everyone right, right. thinks that too at some stage. But yeah. that's what I'm most worried about is she is just desperate for freedom nearly at any cost right so um and so that's what i worry about is mm, the making the dumb decisions too early and just going like oh my god yeah yeah <laughs> how has this happened <laughs> well i i guess the thing is again like because violet is was always just always asking questions about high school i was good being a high school teacher she was just forever you know yeah i heard they make you smoke there i heard they make you take drugs and you're like no People who smoke, people who take drugs, they're not good at sharing. 
They don't want. They don't want to just find random people to share their drugs with. That's not how it works. Um, but she would have all of this like detail. Smoke, that's right. Give yeah, it to no, that's right. It costs money. Um, but but the, she the said, "Oh, like, for us was the flushing the head down the dunny." Oh yeah. Can right, you? I was right. always told, "You wait till you get to high school, your yeah. head is going to be flushed down the dunny." <laughs> yeah, Alley. no, that's that's weird, isn't it? But <laughs> I, I, the other thing was, she Violet had a lot of troubles in in primary school with her peer group. Right. So by the time she got to high school, and this is what people told us, um, she was a bit ab- more able to recognize that kind of manipulative behavior and from what i can gather and again it's her side of the story she's quite good at saying i don't like you treating me this way like even with her friends when she meets new friends if they're rude to her or friends working out who's the shit friend and And who's the good ones and she'll say and she just says i don't like it even when she had this issue with a bully at like at high school she just went and told her she just eventually she came home she was upset and I said, oh, you got to, you can talk to this teacher. And she said, I might just talk to her. And she just basically said, I didn't like it when you like said blah, blah, blah. And the girl was like, oh, oh okay. I've got a lot of anger issues and I'm dealing with this stuff and blah, blah, blah. And <laughs> Are was you like, kidding me? No. This is what the girl said. Yeah, I said, feel like this I'm, is an amazing script. From- I'm dealing. It's a bad script though. Like you would be like, that's oh, not real. Like who talks <laughs> yeah, like that? Right. Well, I'm dealing with a lot of this stuff and I'm sorry. If you, you know, I, I shouldn't have said that. And, and then the girl continued to like, bully other people but beautiful betty beats the bully that's you right. two kids it's, year, it's a year and... eight it's a year eight uh, short film which i've seen many many times yes, hey we don't like you bullying yes. our friends oh i'm sorry let's all be friends now good i have anger problems flip, but flip, now flip, i see flip, you flip. as a person i mean that's what it comes down to but the the, the joy of all good year eight bullies is they were like oh yes now i see you as a person I'm sorry about that. Now I'll just bully the person next to you. Like, just, I'll just move. Like, oh, I can't bully you because you won't stand for it. Like, it's weird how that kind of stuff works. I'm sure she's going to have issues. But when she was in year five and six, she had a lot of, like, real problems. But the thing that she asked was, like, what are you worried about when I go to high school? And I was like, that's a really good question. I'll get back to you. And the thing is, and I've talked to other parents who've got kids who are about to go into high school it's how much your child will lose themselves just to fit in like that was always my concern like how much are you going to sell yourself out or like your ideals and all that stuff just so you that girl will like you yeah those people will be your friend and i already see it you already see it flat out changing who and what they are Mm -hmm. to be in in with that person and it's hard, especially, I mean, year seven, you've got to strap yourself in for that first term because it moves, they change and they move and they they come home and they try on an identity with you. They try on like an attitude. They see a, a, a friend at school or someone at school like be really rude to a teacher and they're like, oh, my God. And they go, oh, I'll go home and try that on my parents. See what, that's, see what that feels <laughs> Take that like. Take that on board. Yeah, I'll see, see how that, that feels fits. like. And then they go and they come home and you're like, who the Who's this person? We had a few things like that in, in yeah, when she was in year seven, where we're like, what? She's being horrible, but in a really different way. Like, Juz was saying, like, oh, it made, made her feel like she was in year seven again. Like, she would say, like, you know, my friend said horrible things about you. And then you, oh. and then Giles would buy it. Like, what did they say? And she, oh, no, I'm not going to tell you. It's away at that yeah. total not, confidence. And Giles was like, oh, oh my God, I just went just... straight back to being year seven. And now she, you know, fighting and marching Secure throughout the house seven. and yeah. trying to get information out of her. And, and she was just like, yeah, she's just making me feel like I'm in year seven again. Uh, my friend said horrible things about you, but, you know, I won't tell you what she said, but they were just terrible. And you're like, okay. God, and I was always that's... like, all right, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> been there done that I, I don't care yeah. that. do, you, do you think i care like do I care? why do i care what a year seven what a 12 year old girl thinks of me i bet uh, that's what you learn first day of teaching is like no oh, actually i thought i wanted these students to like me but i don't care i don't care about that <laughs> i need them to be quiet so i could teach them 
I've got to learn I that. I swear some it. teachers never learned that, did they? No, no. <laughs> it was always the attempt. I mean, you, you probably see it day in, day out too, yeah. but it was always the attempt to be best friends. But I think the thing I struggle with most is just this total lack of comprehension on exactly those facts where with <laughs> yeah. being a bloke, with being a guy, you just it wasn't about any of that sort of stuff. Like mm. it was just, oh, we're going to play cricket today or we're going to kick the soccer ball today. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, yeah, like but that stuff does let's happen, throw though. food at shit. Yeah, like, that's true. But that stuff does happen to boys. I wanted to play yeah, soccer. I always want. I want to play. Oh, we always do what they want to do, and you're like, yeah, yep, all right. I can't. <laughs> I can't make them. You know, as a teacher, yep. you you do get that. You do get it's at a different way. The boys struggle in their own way as well. They just, I don't know. Men are very poor at expressing themselves even at any no, age i won't have it no i won't have it they just <laughs> you see them and they just internalize all this stuff and you're like and it's exactly the same like they just sell out who they are to fit in and i yeah. find they do that much longer in their lives than the girls do because it's always the thing that once once they start dating the girls are like oh they're so much they're much nicer when it's just the two of us and you're like yeah funny that isn't that right? And the and the boys are like, oh yeah, he changes when like his girlfriend's around, and I don't know. I, I heard uh, someone say to a, a group of boys, you know, like they where they separate the girls and the boys, and they talk about relationships, and they're like, oh yeah, the, yeah, my mates and all that. They always change around their girlfriend. This guy was just like, what makes you think like the real person is the one that when they're with you? Maybe the real person's with them, and that's who they really are. And they were just like, heads exploded, like. What? <laughs> like maybe they're just pretending around you, like you know, and that's, just trying to I fit mean, in. I mean, cutting to a little bit of the core of what we were saying at the start, like it gets a bit deeper, then doesn't it? That when we're yeah. saying those friendships that you have when you are 17, 18, 19 that are welded in, because suddenly that's the real you. You've you've got people accepting you, hanging out with you, loving you, being a part of you mm. as you. You found out a bit more of that and suddenly that's fitting in you're not wearing that cloak as much yeah I, I mean i don't i don't know i think our friendship group is quite atypical of just from you know growing up and talking to other people about it the fact that i'm still you know i've done a lot of episodes in the last year with people from that age group um it's atypical i think the the and I certainly would never have said it at the time, but like the amount of love that, that you got in that friendship group, it was just like, all right, we just accept everyone here and we're all here to have a nice time. Like it was that, uh, that, that basic level, right? Like we're not here yeah. for drama. No one's here for drama. We're here for be dramatic, but we're oh, not here. a little bit of, yes. <laughs> yeah. We're we all drama the students. Drama, but... Yeah. <laughs> we, we provided ourselves, but yeah, we're not here to, you know, run anyone down. We're here to just, if you're not here for a good time, then go away. Yeah. <laughs> they were, people like who weren't here for a good time, they didn't stick around. For, we didn't want them around for very long, that's for sure. Yeah, that's right. I guess I've never thought of it as being something unique or different. I've assumed people grow up through that sort of thing and, you know, there's always that voice narrative. They were the greatest years of my life. I'll never remember as we walked along those railway tracks and the sun rolls. <laughs> We look yeah, at each like other that, and I'll it? never have friends again like I had on that day. <laughs> so. Yeah, that's true. It is, is it rose? I always think, I think, yeah, so partly rose colored glasses, but it was quite, I mean, it was just a pretty pleasant way to go through university life. There's no mm. doubt about it to be like, oh, what's happening today? Phone rang, someone's here, let's all go there. Or I don't know. It just, and it just made it easy. I mean, we talked about it when with the Phil. And Wigo was just the the idea that they met, and then Wigo rang, rang Phillips the next day just and said, "Let's hang out." Yeah. So Let's that's just out. that's kind of how these things work. Now I'm going to run out of time. We haven't got anywhere near. We've just been talking about actual real stuff. Sorry, which is just terrible. Um, no, I've got a question here. I asked Wigo um, to ask a question, and he asked a question which will need some background. He said. Well, number one, you work you you work for the ABC. Um, still work for the ABC? No, 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 gave up the ABC. So I did work for the ABC. I'll yeah. let you continue the question at that point. So, what was the strangest interview that you saw slash heard whilst working at the ABC? Now, you might not have to mention names, but can you remember any bizarre? Uh, 
well and truly. I've <laughs> <laughs> got one loaded already. That's good. We've got one loaded. Yeah, ready great. To go. great. Um, so, yes, I did work at the ABC and I worked there for, for 12 years. Um, and it was one of those jobs that I fell arse end into. Yeah. And it's really funny because often my teachers would make me go back to school and talk to the students who didn't know what they wanted to be right, or where right, they wanted right. to go. And I would often tell the story of, you know, I did drama at university and, and mucked around with commerce and business that I was never any that good at. And then one day, um, knew the secretary at the ABC, which was Lisa Howard. Right. Um, and Lisa was best friends with Jussie. That's right. Um, who, that's oh, how, that's how you met them, right. Yeah. And one day um, I knew her and one day she resigned from the job at ABC and said, do you want to do it? <laughs> uh, I went, sure. And so uh, <laughs> fell in there and absolutely loved it. And to their credit, instantly started training. So got to right, do everything, yeah. got to learn how to edit, got to learn how to record, got to do interviews. Um, so the most nuts interview, firstly, I would like to talk about the worst interview and I know... <laughs> I asked you this question the other week in your 100 podcast and you said you didn't have a bad one, anything no. that you're ashamed of, which is wonderful. It was a very nice one. I once interviewed Steve Waugh uh, in one of his last matches where he played in Newcastle for New South Wales, asked him, was he going to go into politics, asked him about his greatest moments. It was this perfect interview that I felt and was going to be the best thing I'd ever done. And, yeah. of course, I didn't hit record. Oh, Jesus. Uh, I walked away and hadn't hit record. It was a new microphone, one of those fandangled ones that records in the microphone. And I had turned it on, but I hadn't hit record. And to this day, I still wake up screaming about that. <laughs> but the weirdest interview that I ever did, I embedded myself as uh, the, the theatre reporter. No one was reporting on theatre. So I just took it upon myself yeah, to nice. call myself a theatre reporter. And suddenly I got lots of free tickets to go along to all the shows and I'd turn up and just talk to the people and interview, what's the show about? What are you doing? Cut it together that week and promote it. And it was really fun, except it was at that time where the Chopper Reed mob were going around doing it. And, right. and I got to interview Chopper Reed. And, um, you know, he wasn't the weirdest interview that I ever had. He was full on um, and, and it was nuts talking to him and I got a lot out of it. But then following on the back of him, he called me up one day, Chopper Reed called me up and said, my mate is coming to town and I want you to interview him. And it wasn't an option. It was just told to me that way that I would be interviewing him. I was like, okay, went along. It was Roger Rogerson. Oh, my God, his uh, mate. Oh, my God. His mate, Roger Rogerson. So Roger Rogerson somehow got himself on this tour where he was doing stand-up talking at venues oh, um, about his life. So he was on the back of the Chopper Reed thing. So Chopper, you know, it was ridiculous. He was our best-selling Australian author. Mm. He did the rounds for years where he'd stand up in front of people and tell stories about how he held blow torches to people's feet and do all of that. <laughs> and he kind of was entertaining in a very screwed-up way that wouldn't yes. work in 2022 no. um but roger but rogerson was, was like next a next level wasn't he a former he, former police chief highly right? corrupt police highly that corrupt killed a lot policeman. of people yes, yeah right. that, that killed a lot of people and went to jail for it and was going down but this was this weird interim period before he'd been properly convicted oh of a lot God. of crimes and um <laughs> again i might have to say allegedly throughout some of this conversation <laughs> yeah, which right. i did which I did have to in that interview, but he got really dark in this interview. Um, and it went to some horrible places where he really did pause for long periods of time and then say, I can't say that because that woman was a effed up whatever. And I did this to her and, and it was harrowing. It was full on. And that man, you know, you talk about people being really evil, like for someone who had such power, yeah. he, it was bizarre and evil. And I was stuck in this small little room recording oh with my him. God. And at the end of it, he said, oh, will you write my memoir then? You're the only one that's actually talked to me and asked me all of these questions and gone through it. And I was still young. I was trying to prove myself. You know, I was early 20s and hadn't had a lot of... So I felt I had to do this and was doing something special by doing right. it. Right, yeah. To this day, you know, sitting in that room with that man talking about some of the heinous crimes he committed and how proud he was and he's laughing about it and then saying, actually, you can't report that or do that or I've denied that, so don't say that or going into it. And it was it was bizarre. And I had to sit with the head of ABC Legal, of course, yeah. um, post doing the interview and sit down and edit what we could put together and what we couldn't. And we weren't left with a, a real lot to put out there. Yeah. And 
in the end, I, I got a little annoyed at the station manager who sat down and said, look, we can put this to air, but ethically, I think we need to have a look at do we want to promote this? Yeah, I was going to say and that I was too. a bit outraged. As you um, would in your 20s, of course. You'd yeah, like... this is right. I've done this. This is groundbreaking. This man's got a story to tell and people want to hear it and it's yeah. entertainment. We're not, it's not people... our job. It's not our job to You've censor. got it. How yeah, can we exactly. filter and do mm. all of this? But looking back, um, it was a really good call, you know, and he did it really nicely. Um, and it was just this sense of, you're giving this guy oxygen. Mm. Um, he's going to try to sell books. He's trying to make money. He's done some horrible things to people. And now he's going to try to cash in on that fact. Um, yeah. Wow. And yeah, so he, that was definitely the, the weirdest interview Jesus, that I've ever done. And I've, I've done, yeah. But it was great working for the ABC and getting to do interviews was such a magnificent way of meeting people mm -hmm. and finding out just the most bizarre, interesting out there stuff. And especially once I moved to Darwin, yeah. it got even next level. <laughs> and I got to do some really lovely stuff going into some of the indigenous communities and meeting yeah. people there, um, you know, that were four and five hours drive from anywhere and some of their stories. And they're always willing to have a chat and tell you about amazing things and all sorts of stuff and, and, you know, share a bit of turtle or dugong with you as you sit down and interview nice. them and have a chat. Um, Beautiful. But really good special times. Yeah, the ABC. Now, the other question he had was, how much time and preparation went into running the theatre sports evenings at the Cambridge? Because <laughs> as soon as he asked that question, that was, that was uh, a... I guess, I don't know how many seasons of that you ran at the Cambridge Hotel. Yeah. And, and we... remember, for some reason, they painted it in white up on a blackboard. Yeah, right. And they never painted over it for like six years. <laughs> <laughs> and so it always looked like the home of theatre sports in the Hunter, the Cambridge so Hotel. you ran it, Craig ran it, Anya ran it. And yep. Wigo and I performed in it and other people we knew performed in it. But we never... I. Again, it's one of those things we never considered anything like any like the efforts you went to. Yeah, we just turned up and did our thing and then left. So I, it's a good question, but I want to ask it's like a good question. How how did you start that? Like, where did that idea come from? We, you know, one of the greatest things um, that happened, uh, perhaps to both Craig and I, was we were fairly broke. Um, right, right. I think I know where this is going, right? To be entrepreneurial, <laughs> yes, right. Well, that was the word I was going to say was entrepreneurial. Entrepreneurial, we, we laughingly, I mean, God, we should have kept going and we would have been millionaires. We laughingly started a company called Pinstripe Promotions, mm -hmm. and from that, uh, we did everything from uh, write for men's magazines, um through to doing theatre sports nights. And what had happened was a few years earlier, um, there'd been a successful theatre sports night run at Hunter on Hunter. Right. Um, and I think it was Will first year uni or something like that. I think I was overseas and I just came back at the end of it. And it was really cool, but nothing went on after that because they cleverly, the guys that ran that said, stuff that, this is an enormous amount of work, um, <laughs> trying to get that many people to turn up and perform yes. on stage for free, yep. organise a crowd, organise all of the pieces that you need and to get it up and running. But we stupidly thought, no, we can make money, we can do this um, yeah. and it will be really fun. And I don't know at what point, but we went to see the guy at the Cambridge um, and he loved the idea from the get-go and he was behind us. And I think we were running a trivia night as well yeah. we used to run trivia nights at um a couple of bars and pubs and different things as well so we've, we've been running a trivia night up at the old bhp club um and giving away ham raffles and doing all of the beautiful. classic things yeah men of entertainment and um <laughs> yeah for some reason we approached this bloke and he instantly loved it he was old time pub owner yeah. old time promoter and um, used to always tell us this story about the choir boys coming here and <laughs> they used to pack in thousands and we want the we want the Cambridge back to the heyday of, of when the choir boys played here and you boys can do that. I like the cut of your jib, you know. And he backed us and, you know, I think he paid us about 50 bucks a night, 100 yeah. bucks a night or something like that. But he put up the prize money, which right. from memory was decent. It was yeah. 200 or $300 or something. Yeah, it was good drinking um, money. 
yeah, it was good drinking money. And so we got stuck into it. And it was way harder, I think, than what we thought. And the hardest bit was working the phones. Yeah, right. Um, trying to get people to get their team together and convince them. And to this day, I can't believe that we really did it because we used to have four teams every week that would turn up yeah. um, and, and compete. And uh, getting people to get their teams together, I guess we had that drama connection that we're at university studying drama. And there's quite a lot of people around. Yeah. I was faux um, reporting drama, <laughs> the drama <laughs> reporter for the ABC. So I had the in there. Um, and so I guess we managed to pull together those teams each week. Um, but some of the things that took the most amount of time uh, was the bits and pieces around it. So we always tried to organise something uh, besides theatre sports. So people would come for the theatre sports, but enjoy the X. And sometimes yeah. that was, we'd have Xbox competitions or PlayStation competitions on big screens. We tried to do... Um, ferret racing and different <laughs> levels of racing but the thing that was the biggest hit of course was the jelly wrestling that's right yeah um and again talking about preparation we had zero idea what it took to make hundreds of liters of jelly so we we went off to costco like we were making it up really we'd never done anything to do with jelly wrestling we'd seen a few videos um and that was probably it we went off to costco and bought bulk amounts of red jelly and it wouldn't set we had 100 liter tubs that i think we we borrowed from the university <laughs> the science a... department at the university <laughs> and some guys of doing some experiments something um and so we pulled together it took us like a solid bit of a week nearly every day cooking this jelly putting it in cold rooms getting vats of it to try to have jelly wrestling yeah um as the <laughs> halftime entertainment again this is this is exactly what we're talking about we're like we just turned up and got had a beer and got on stage beer. came <laughs> up with the idea and did that and yeah and so it look it worked and our greatest moment was we were running jelly wrestling it was the theater sports grand final yeah. everyone had turned up with their teams and their friends and there was hundreds of people there it turned into quite a success yeah I'm super yeah. proud of, of what we pulled together there and we'd spent you know weeks trying to pull it all together and the the old fella came up to us and said without a lie he really said this is just like the choir boys, boys. There's as many people here as the choir boys. <laughs> like 200, yeah. Yeah, I mean, our, that, that's one of the things where, like, when I when I tell people, like, oh, you know, I did theatre sports and blah, 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 and I said, I remember the grand final was pretty packed out, and they were like, oh, how did you do that? And I was like, I don't, in my mind's eye, looking back, I don't think it ever occurred to us, at, even at the time. It was, I think, because you and Craig and Anya were running it, I was in a yeah, team no with, with my friends. Was, it was yeah. just kind of like, oh no, oh no it's just piss farting around. Like this, there was no real pressure. No, no, it never felt like there was necessarily pressure. We just sort of turned up. And some nights there weren't many people at all. No. Um, and we started in the smaller bar and they actually moved us to the yeah, bigger right. bar because yeah. there was there was enough people. But we used to. Um, chop up flyers and go up and down streets all night, putting them under windscreens and doing all sorts of things. I remember calling along. ABC uh, like the Sunday night quiz and ringing up yep. to, to answer questions, but never answering the questions, <laughs> just trying to get a plug into theatre sports and they hung up. They would hang up on us all the time. Yeah, I remember that. That was good times. That's right. The midnight <laughs> quiz. We yeah. like say hello to Magpie. Um, <laughs> yeah. look, I'm not sure about Well, I'm not question. sure the answer, but if you come down to the Cambridge on Wednesday night and come to the... <laughs> Click. Oh, all right. Your turn. All right. <laughs> Be able to do the quiz. I'd forgotten that. And that yep. was, yeah, that's right. Just guerrilla marketing all the way along. So but that was the um, only time too. I mean, I haven't really done anything, but at uni, people used to say, stop you randomly and just say, oh, you do theatre sports. And you'd be like, yeah. And they're like, oh yeah, it's great. And you'd be like, okay. And then you just walk away and you're like, that was weird. <laughs> Very strange. Know, you, don't consider it. you never consider it at the levels. time, do you? So, so you did all that, right? So you do all the jelly wrestling. We do the mm. grand final. Someone may or may not have broken a rib. Um, yep. And then, <laughs> but then, like, was it just? It was that just too much effort after a while, or did it sort of peak and peter out? Or uh, I think there was a couple of things. Um, it. It did peter out. It's hard to get the same people to turn up 
yeah. night after night. And I think, too, a lot of people were actually working at their degree whilst right, they were doing right, jelly right. wrestling yes. and theatre sports. And some people were finishing their degree, <laughs> which seemed confusing to me at the time. It's <laughs> <laughs> starting to move on it's, and do other things. It's baffling, isn't it? baffling how this works. The next thing that happened, which was really cool, and you might remember playing cricket in this venue, was I got a theatre. Like, we, I worked with this theatre company, um, Shakespeare et al, doing sound and lighting, and, and they got the Sawtooth building at Honeysuckle, right, which is now yes. in Newcastle, which is now the Newcastle Museum. Yeah, They converted into that, but it was dilapidated, old, run-down shed, and we convinced the council that we could turn it into an art space. And so we got this theatre and it was just my playground. And as I said, I, I it got everyone in there and we just played cricket inside it for a period. That was, was great. Massive, yes, massive giant, giant. sawtooth yeah. building. Um, <laughs> but I put on quite a few shows there and I say I, like the theatre company did and lots of other people did, but I, you know, got in and cleaned it up. And again, enormous amounts of work for zero money, but just because I could. Yeah. And worked with bands like Mouse Moon, who put on a huge, big performance show piece there and lots of cool music and different things. Worked with a couple of theatre companies and different people that put on shows. Um, and even put on a little series of, of one-act plays there, which you appeared in. Um, we I did? did like that director's, oh. Oh, yeah, director's right, right, right. perspective. And you did this beautiful piece that I'd found and it was about a bloke in Ligon in Victoria. Yeah, in, old, in Melbourne. I, I remember that. Old Blind Bob tells it as it is. Old Blind Bob tells it how it is. You got it yeah. in one. And he was like, oh, I made love to that bag last night. Um, and he, did, and he was he? a yeah, the street bloke who loved beer and, and remembered the old Melbourne and, and wanted things to be like that again somewhat and told the stories. And you actually performed that there at that theatre. So right. So you re you didn't it was rewritten, wasn't it? Or you added the, the yeah, references yeah, yeah, were Newcastle was, based. That's right. I tried to take that concept and, yeah. and make it, you know, because Newcastle had that funny era around that time yeah, and it's right. BHP had closed down and we were losing a lot of the character, like all those old pubs that were strip clubs and, yeah, the and Empire working bars. And all that and, yeah, Empire and mm. so many of those spots that, you know, had the workers of the world visiting them, like they yeah. all shut down and you didn't get the steel worker shifts coming in anymore. No. You didn't get that trade and Newcastle changed really quickly and a lot of boutique venues opened up. A lot of those blokes got payouts and started mm. their own consultancy businesses. And so there were now restaurants that those consultancy businesses would take people out to <laughs> instead right. of, you know, the, that gritty Newcastle of, of yesteryear. And we witnessed that change, you know, from the, the 90s, early 90s through. Um, we really saw that transformation. And I dreamed like that little piece that you're in, that was really that concept of of the old gritty blind Bob telling Newcastle, this is what Newcastle was, you know. Yeah, you can keep your fancy museums and art galleries and this it is was, what Newcastle was. It was a, a good, uh, it was probably a, a really good learning uh, experience for me because I realised you didn't have to get it to perform because there was a lot of references in it where I was like, I don't know who that is. I don't know what that's referring to. And even when I performed it, People laughed at things mm. I was saying and I had no idea what was. But then that's the point, right, is this old mate's just telling you not Drunk to make you laugh. So he's yep. just telling you rubbish. But Because I, I remember a few times I, I had a very clear memory of performing there and getting laughs and being like, in my head, I, d I don't know. I don't know what that what that means okay that i don't know what that reference is but obviously it's funny remember that for next time i'll maybe just pause a little is that kind of thing yeah well it's barry dickens barry dickens wrote it yeah um, right originally in its yeah. original form and he wrote quite a few for um la mama theater yeah um which burned down not that long ago yeah, i think they right. might have rebuilt it but it, it burned down and he really captured what he just wanted to do was capture characters. And that's it. He didn't know, know who he was talking about. <laughs> he didn't really understand what it was, but it was this character. He'd, he'd written a beautiful character really encapsulating this moment of change yeah. and no longer significant in his world and the world had moved on and he was left behind sort of thing. Yeah. And he was blind, but he wasn't really blind. Yeah. It was good. Good times. Yeah. All right. We've got to yeah. wrap up. We've been talking for ages. 
I just, didn't get to the election special. I oh, understood no. that I was on here for <laughs> talk about election, election coverage. Well, yeah, this is that's yeah, right. as much as I'm happy to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> Who's going to win? Who cares? Um, I did show my daughter happily this morning. Oh, look at look at the front cover of that paper. Look at which, who do you want? That round-faced doughy fellow with the glasses or that round-faced doughy fellow with Handsome the glasses? Handsome young lad that's yeah, used to not look like this at all. No, not at all. I'm sure that well, Daily, the, I'm sure the, the Murdoch Darwin press way. used a, a very old photo of... Anyway. Um, all right, before I go, I've got a very simple question, which is uh, we talked about it with Craig in the podcast. I know you've had... Mm. You've, you've been married now how many years? 10 12 10 this year 10, years? 10 this year yeah. been married 10 years you've got two lovely children um were you or have you ever been happier than you were the time we went to Tompty land and the dodgem car started working at three o'clock in the morning <laughs> my head exploded i love the way you put it <laughs> that my head exploded with joy yep um wow this is a, a a hard question to answer in a lot of ways isn't it yeah so I, if you haven't listened to the episode of craig and you should we snuck into, well, we say snuck, but Tompty Land was this horrible amusement park that wasn't manned, was completely mm. open. On, on the back roads open. to Raymond Terrace. Yes, completely everything open and, and accessible. And then we went, found the Dodgem cars and found the control panel was open. And uh, Craig put on a Tompty Land hat and started throwing switches. And Matt's <laughs> and I sat in with our feet on the accelerator. Wait for expecting nothing yeah and then all of a sudden it came on and away we went yes and heads exploded with joy. Free. okay yeah. <laughs> it possibly is the greatest moment of my life i feel i can say that and and the sheer joy of that moment expecting nothing and then finding that i can ride a dodge for free all night <laughs> um as it's working with just absolute mind-blowing and Yes, the arrival of your children's special. Yes, wedding is special. Mm -hmm. um, you know, accomplishments in life come and go. But it really was this absolute moment of pure joy that <laughs> I can still vividly see it. You were describing it in the podcast. Yeah, I could just I've got see it. it. I've got it. I've got it so vividly recalled. Yes. People moment. get married all the time. People have children every day. There's 7 yes. billion children yep. being born. Yep. Yes, but no, nothing, nothing matches... Just it's you're right though it's it's topped with the just the experience of of expecting absolutely nothing and then the lights and the music I don't know if there was music I, in my head there was music of course there was but music again just bring it back to the thing that we've talked about the whole podcast was surrounded by people that are the real you and and that you yeah. know that that love and experience and that randomness so that yes. night we we most people didn't even know where tompty land was what it was but for some reason we came up with the idea at around 10 o'clock yeah uh at night and at some i think we we're at pogos I, I don't know we're at some random house i know i was at a i was at a i was at a pub and you found me. We'd already been we to Tompkyland to have a look, but somehow you found me back in the day before that's... I even had a mobile phone. So that's how good that was. I think he's at <laughs> he this part. Let's go there. there. Yeah, let's See, go. We'll... You can't top that as an experience, really. That's I mean, right. You know, the, the, the randomness. Um, the adventure and... The experience and expecting not much and being delivered the world. Like, you know, it's the way it worked. Awesome. All right, thanks, Matza. That's it.